Hello, this is Drink the Music. A podcast where each week we listen to an album, make a cocktail, and have a chat about it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the music. Well, hello, and welcome to track number one of Drink the Music. Uh, I'm Brian here, as always, with Michaela. And Michaela, uh, Drink the Music uh, was born a long time ago, in our heads at least. You know, we didn't, we never really did anything with it, right? We just kind of had this idea and said, you know, we should do something with that someday. Uh, and then, you know, we we decided we'd start the Patreon, patreon.com slash drinkthemovies. Um, and maybe on there, we'll talk about some music sometimes. Well, we never really did. Uh, we never really did. That's true. Uh, so uh, in in a way... Uh, we've been kind of kind of forced into this, right? The you know the the Screen Actors Guild is on strike. The writers are on strike. Uh, we wanted to show some solidarity with them, so we said uh, we probably shouldn't be talking about movies that are coming out or movies, uh, you know, on the backside. You know, we want to kind of stand in solidarity with them. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Um, and we decided that now is the right time for now is the right time. That is right. Uh, and I'm so excited because you and I both love music. Uh, we have very different thoughts about uh, music in general. You have much more of a musical background than I do. Um, I feel like I am like the 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 layman of of the two of us when it comes to stuff. I know it if I like it. I, I I'm we're gonna take a stab at why we like things. Um, but we go to a lot of concerts and a lot of different types of concerts, a lot of different types of music, um, and. You know, music is just another form of art, performative art uh, as well, if, you, if you're able to see it live. And that's really cool. And we also really love cocktails. So, I mean, I'm really excited about the opportunity that we have uh, to pivot uh, away from movies um, during this time and, and see where it takes us. Because I think there are some really amazing discussions that we're going to be able to have that change our our paradigms around uh, mm -hmm. artists or songs um, in in meaningful ways, uh, as well as uh, giving us another excuse to drink, which, let's face it, is really why we do the podcast in the first place. So that's right. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, if you are here uh, looking for a movie, don't worry, we are still uh, talking about movies. We're recording those episodes. Those will come out uh, once the once the strike ends. Uh, but for right now, we're going to be talking about music. And up first this week um, is Joni Mitchell's Blue. So we had a bit of a fan vote right on our Twitter and Instagram and uh, Facebook, all those things. We put it up to a vote um, and let everyone choose between uh, Joni Mitchell's Blue and Taylor Swift's Folklore. So Joni Mitchell won by by one vote. It was very close. It was a lot closer uh, kind of than we thought when we did, but Joni Mitchell's Blue uh, took the win, and uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, Michaela, let's, uh, before we before we jump into the cocktail for this week, let's just talk a little bit here about who Joni Mitchell is. Um, what was, who is she, where is she from, and what was she doing up until the time Blue came out? Oh, that's a great, all, all great questions. So Joni Mitchell's Canadian slash American. I think she is actually a citizen of America now. And she is my, probably my favorite singer songwriter of all time. Uh, I'm very nervous talking uh, about Joni Mitchell because I love it so much. <laughs> or I love her so much. And we're going to, we're you know, I'll, I'll get all fangirl about it in a minute, but um uh, she was uh, was not born uh, a Joni. She was born a Roberta Joan Anderson on November 7th, 1943. So she is a beautiful 79 years of age at this at this time of this recording. And That's true. Um, 
born in Alberta. She she was born in Alberta. Yeah. And she spent her time uh, growing up there in Canada, uh, became a folk singer and, uh, you know, was doing some singing and performing in Canada before coming to the United States and going on tour in 1965. Um, her first studio release was in 1968, a uh, song to a seagull. Um, then it was followed up by her uh, first Grammy win uh, for the album Clouds in 1969, which won for Best Folk Performance. Um, and then 1970, the album Ladies of the Canyon, and which featured probably her two biggest hits, um, maybe kind of uh, in a way, right? So you have Woodstock um, and you have Big Yellow Taxi. And definitely at the time, those were huge hits, huge hits for uh, Joni Mitchell. Um, now you could say that uh, potentially uh, her song, uh, her Christmas song, River, uh, is a bigger hit than those. But uh, definitely at the time, you know, uh, that this was coming out. Those were by far the biggest hits. Um, and what happens when you're a folk singer from Canada and you have big hits like that? Uh, you decide, mm, I don't know about this. Uh, you kind of run away a wee bit uh, to write songs and uh, decompress from your newfound fame and fortune. And that's where Blue comes in. That's right. Um, Blue, uh, it was released in June of 1971. And... Um, it was interest. It's 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 an interesting dichotomy because Ladies of the Canyon uh, came out kind of a year or two before, and uh, this this album is much more uh, like you said it. It's very it's very sad. It's much much less. I think there's two kind of happy ish songs. Um, mm -hmm. One of which is just basically <laughs> talking about all the things that she wants. Uh, I don't know how happy that really is if you're like this is what I want, but uh, much more. Um, uh, introverted, I think, um, yes. and still, and and but considered one of the classic albums of all time. I mean, it's it's more than any of her other albums. Uh, it's been touted in you know the top hundred albums of all time uh, from a Rolling Stone magazine, a bunch of different um, kind of musical. I don't know who's who of music <laughs> says that uh, this is this is her most iconic album. Uh, yeah. And so let's let's get into it. That's that's right. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to get into that. So we're going to get into Joni Mitchell's Blue here. But before we do that, let's take a quick break because we have to whip up a cocktail. Um, we have a really good one and it's from a really fun book. So I'm excited to talk about this one uh, a little bit with you, Michaela. So let's do that. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to whip up this week's drink. I could drink a case of booze and vinyl. I did warn everyone last Thursday that this might be an excuse for Michaela to keep drinking uh, and singing, <laughs> to keep singing. Uh, and that's uh, apparently what we're going to be getting into. But, uh, you know, what's going to help with that uh, extra dose of singing that you may or may not need? I don't know. It depends on your outlook. Uh, you're definitely going to need a cocktail. And this one is pretty fun. Um, and I think that it captures the heart and spirit of Joni Mitchell's Blue really well. Um, and it comes from this book, this awesome book. It's called Booze and Vinyl. It's by Andre and Tania Darlington. Um, and I got this for Christmas, uh, like last year or two years ago. Someone in the family bought it for me. They're like, hey, uh, we see that you have an obnoxious amount of uh, vinyl records, which I do. Uh, and you like to have yourself a cocktail, which I also do. So this book was really great for me. Um, and it's kind of laid out very similar to uh, what we're trying to do here uh, with this podcast is basically picking an album and then kind of talking about it a little bit. And then pairing um on a like vinyl record like each side of the record uh with a cocktail but uh we picked one to do and it's called the Santorini sunrise that is right uh so uh this book is amazing i actually got myself a copy of it because it's uh not only beautiful because the pictures are gorgeous um and some of the album True. uh kind of the uh 
the the blurbs about why they pick certain drinks is really cool. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, I, I'm so glad that whoever made that decision got you that book because it's really inspired me um, to check out albums that I would never have even thought of before, um, which is kind of the whole point. So uh, Santorini Sunrise, it comes from a Greek restaurant called Molivos, which uh, is in New York City, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, Santorini is a um, is Greek. <laughs> and so it what is. would a having a Greek cocktail definitely <laughs> is going to have. It's, it's an island. It's, it's an island. Greece. Uh, the uh, wind is in, is in from Africa. And last night I couldn't <laughs> sleep. Um, I'm guessing that she, that that she uh, uh, was in Greece. I'd like to think of her sitting in uh, in the Mermaid Cafe. Right. Mm, uh, figuring in in her finest silver with Carrie and his cane being right. hermogeny and she still loves him while she's <laughs> sipping on this Santorini sunrise. That's that's right. And who wouldn't love Carrie sipping on a Santorini uh, sunrise? And that was kind of where the inspiration for this came from, uh, is that uh, uh, kind of main track, the first single from blue uh carry. So let's mix one of these up. It's uh it's real simple. Um and it's uh you know based uh you know pretty much off of like a tequila sunrise so uh, if you want to make a tequila sunrise instead of the santorini sunrise uh you're going to swap out the uzo for some tequila and you're good to go but uh pretty simple here all you do is you take like two slices of grapefruit uh cut those into like little like quarters uh put those into a glass with four mint leaves and two teaspoons of honey um i definitely did not measure my honey because i think that's a waste of time i just kind of eyeball it uh and go ahead and just give that a nice muddle you're going to break up that grapefruit it's going to get like the oils out of the the rind of the grapefruit it's going to bust up the mint uh it's going to get that honey all incorporated in there then fill up your glass with ice and then put in two ounces of your ouzo one ounce of Campari and three ounces of freshly pressed pink grapefruit juice. Uh, give that a stir, sip, and enjoy. You can garnish with some mint leaves and one of those little wedges of the grapefruit. It's very pretty. Uh, it's very light. It's very refreshing. Uh, it's real delicious. But Michaela, the question on my mind here is uh, Uzo is a very black licorice tasting. Uh, it is it is a anise as all get out. Now, to be clear, when I made mine, I didn't have any ouzo. Um, I didn't want to go buy it, but I do have some fennel liqueur, which is that same kind of thing. Um, the fennel liqueur comes from the Amalfi Coast of Italy. I figure that's that's Greece adjacent kind of. The flavor profile was going to be the same. So that's what I used to make mine. Um, what about you, Michaela? You are on record saying that you hate that flavor. Uh, but what do you think? Did that kind of fall in to the Campari and pink grapefruit and become okay? Did you have to bail out and use tequila? Would Joni be proud of your decisions right now? <laughs> oh, Joni, I'm sorry in advance. Um, I so I gotta say, I I was terrified uh, when we saw this drink. I was like, oh man, I don't I don't like this at all. And I just want to say it's really fitting because when we uh, have covered uh, things in the past that were your favorite, we covered. Mm. Uh, we picked. Well, I picked a shot. You hate shots. I picked it. It had tons of coconut in it. You hate coconut and you still drink it and you were still able to talk about it. So I, I knew that that my reputation as a as a cocktail drinker was on the line here. So I went ahead and bought the Uzo because I do not own any in my house because I think this licorice stuff is for the birds. Um, I have to say, though, this was really, really weird. The the flavor 
uh, profile, I never would have uh, added grapefruit. I certainly never would have added Campari, which is super tart, uh, super bitter. Um, I never would have thought to have created anything like this. Um, mm -hmm. so when you showed me this recipe, uh, from that amazing book, booze and vinyl by Andrea and Tania Darlington, um, I was very skeptical <laughs> and I have to say it wasn't my favorite drink because I'm not a huge licorice fan, but if you are even a, a semi fan of licorice, you should make this drink because mm -hmm. it is so strange and it's so Joni Mitchell to me because people will listen to Joni Mitchell and they either immediately think she's amazing or they think she sounds like a dying cat and that's basically people's approach I think to this drink is I looked at it and thought I'm gonna hate this thing <laughs> and then I took a sip and the more I sipped the more I found the layers of the mm -hmm. flavor within this that really are very acquired tastes on their own. Um, but it doesn't just taste like grapefruit and it doesn't just taste like Campari and it certainly doesn't just taste like licorice. Um, mm -hmm. It's really special and inspired. And I'm really glad that you brought this to my attention because I don't know if I would drink this all the time, but I mm -hmm. definitely really enjoyed it a few of these while I was listening to the blue album for the purpose of the, of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was really nice. Um, and it felt like a very, um, you know, I compared it kind of like to, uh, tequila sunrise, which is, um, you know, tequila and, and orange juice, with a little bit of grenadine to give you that blush, but here you're getting that blush from, you know, kind of the, kind of the grapefruit and that Campari, um, then the licorice from the Uzo, but the, the way that the bitterness works in the Campari, it like, it like pulls in, the anise notes of the ouzo like just enough that you're just getting like little like little trickles of them uh just over the top it's like uh joni uh speaking to you through your uh through your speakers there so this one was really good i liked it a lot so this would be a really nice uh brunch cocktail i think um if you're doing that and uh you know listening listen to your favorite album uh and talking about life and love and love's lost um just like uh, just like Joni's doing here in the album Blues. So uh, this was good, Michaela. Uh, everyone out there, give it a try. Ch take a look at the website and social medias for pictures of ours because it's a really lovely looking one. Uh, send us pictures of yours. Uh, but for now, what we need to do is let's go mix up another one of these. We will uh, drop the needle on Joni Mitchell's Blue and be right back to chat about it. I'm really nervous talking about <laughs> Joni Mitchell, I should All say. Right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Michaela. Michaela is too nervous. So here's what I'm we're a little gonna nervous. Do. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit play right now. Um, and the first track up is all I want, uh, Michaela. So we're what we're gonna do is we're just gonna kind of run through these tracks here a little bit. Um, kind of mention you know some things that we that we like uh about the track or if there's any kind of parts of the song that in particular we like or you know kind of any interesting background tidbits about the song. Uh, nothing too crazy. Uh, we're not gonna go into like super deep dives on all of these songs because you could definitely go find that um if you want. But we just kind of wanted to run uh kind of right through these um and sure. I'm gonna start it here. So track one is all I want. Um and of the songs on Joni Mitchell's Blue, I think that this one is kind of the most uh, straightforward sounding. It kind of has the most like like hookish parts of the song, I think. Um, and it kind of tells the story. Um, and I'm going to kind of go through my thought process here on this as we kind of go through and then uh, give kind of our final recaps of the song. But uh, there's a there's a couple of different 
um, like aspects of Joni Mitchell's blue. And one of them is definitely kind of her uh, relationships, her love and her love loss. And this one is kind of the most, I don't know, like, like, like youthful or um, immature-ish look at love, right? It's kind of a song about the things that, that she wants um, in love um, and, and dealing with, um, you know, kind of when that doesn't necessarily go right. Um, and you see that kind of transition as we go through through the album. Um, but that's kind of what I see here and all I want. It's kind of the most, um, you know, like like youngish look at love, yeah. I think, on the album. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I think you're absolutely right. I think it starts off in, very much in the way um, the, the song Conversation, uh, well, I think that's from Ladies of the Canyon, um, kind of starts. So you've got these really beautiful uh, chords um, from her guitar and it's, it's very, um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's very folky. It's very different than some of the darker songs, um, that are played on piano, right? Because this is, this is just a, an accompaniment with a guitar. And I really think that, um, as she's going on her actual journey, because she traveled around Europe and, um, uh, she was already, uh, you know, having, a maybe thoughts and feelings about a relationship as she, as she left, uh, for Europe on her trip. Um, she's talking about being a traveler and she's starting on a road. And by the time the album finishes, she's looking for a river, (laughs) um, Mm. or ending up uh, alone in a cafe. And so it's really, um, the more you listen to the lyrics, I think for, for this song, I think it, it is, uh, kind of this hopeful yet, uh, soft, um, kind of out outlook about what what we can expect and uh back in the day we should talk generally about how the albums um had to be listened to right you mm-hmm. you listen to things in vinyl it was very different than listening to things now where if you put out one song you don't have to pay any attention to anything else you that was not the way um it was when people were listening to music during this time so Mm -hmm. i really think that this sets a really beautiful stage for the journey that you go on through blue yeah for sure absolutely and it kind of goes through those uh love stories and it starts there with all i want and carries over into i think into my old man track number two um to me, this feels like a little bit more mature version of the first song, All I Want, because it, it's still kind of going through the same things. It's all the things that she kind of wants in love and what she sees um, in her uh, potential partner here um, in in song form. Um, what I really like about this one is it's a little bit darker, obviously. Um, this one uh, is piano-based. Um, but when it goes into uh, kind of the... Um, the lyrics here about, uh, but when he's gone, me and them lonesome blues collide, like the song like basically drops out of its tuning. Um, it goes mm-hmm. kind of kind of atonal. There's no like tuning to it. So it's very kind of sporadic in the way that she's singing it. There's no like roots to it. Um, you think of like a like a chord or, um, you know, the way that a song sounds, you know, they're going to be in different um, so- sort of tunings. And and this very much is, is atonal. So it's kind of all over the place. And um, it's very scattered, um, kind of like uh, Joni, I think, is processing uh, the way that she's losing uh, kind of these early loves uh, in this story of Blue. Yeah. No, I think I think that's interesting because if you listen to My Old Man on its own, um, th- this is a song, for example, that a friend of mine was like, dude, she sounds like a dying cat. I don't know why you like her so much. Um, and it's because of those decisions that she makes, um, which really, I think, 
speaks to her genius because sometimes uh, we hear a song and it has that melodic uh, transformation that is very hookish and it sounds uh, like something that is really like it was always there. Um, I think this is a great example of her carving out a song from the universe somehow uh, that does not sound the way we expect it to sound. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's may not be your favorite song, but I think that it's really uh, these bold decisions that she makes, especially with the, the, the way she puts her chords together um, mm -hmm. because it's really hard. She has these uh, really uh, abnormally large hands and some of the stuff that she, the chord, the chords that she creates are uh, almost off-putting to the ear. And I, she does it by design. Um, and I think that that's really important uh, symbolically for this, for this entire album, because you, you're, you're, you're the journey that you're going on with her is also not necessarily <laughs> um, always going to be what you expect. And sometimes by design, uh, the universe puts these things in our path that we have to deal with. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that is track number two, My Old Man. Um, we kind of go from this love story um, and transition into a really kind of personal uh, tale here for Joni Mitchell um, before we get into kind of the, the travelogue almost portion um, of the album. But track number three, Little Green, uh, this song was written in 1966. Um, she wrote it after giving her daughter up for adoption. She was a poor, struggling artist and uh, decided that that was no place to raise a child and uh, gave her up for adoption, wrote the song, Little Green. Um, I think that, you know, this song, obviously, you know, <laughs> very clearly, you don't need me to tell you, you know, kind of speaks to the um, emotional, like, vulnerability of Joni Mitchell to to not only write this song, I could see that as being very cathartic, but, um, you know, almost the the bravery in a sense to put that on an album that you know millions of people are going to to hear um and you know potentially judge you for those decisions and um you know just just putting yourself out there i think is is really um is, is very impactful um and i think that it really kind of leads into to where the album goes uh kind of from here um but as listening to um an interview that Joni did with uh, elton john um, and she was talking about it and she thinks that kind of this emotional vulnerability is why the album has gained so much kind of popularity over the last 10 to 20 years as people now are um, more uh, more in touch with their own uh, kind of personal emotions and more open to hearing and interacting with the way people are emotionally. Um, she says when, you know, when the album came out and we'll get into kind of the, you know, the plot that it that it didn't garner. Um, it's really only been kind of in this last like 10 to 20 years where it's really kind of gained this foothold as one of these, you know, all time uh, genius works of art. Um, and she's and she says that that's probably why, right, because people are more, um, you know, in touch with their own emotions now. Um, and certainly a song like Little Green taps into that and I completely uh different level than i could ever even think about going um especially right. and putting something out that like i said i know that you know millions of people are going to listen to so absolutely yeah i, I agree i think uh you know i like to think of her being on a train or um somewhere where things are moving maybe some waters nearby and she's thinking about uh her the journey that she's taking at this particular time right and um, and the things that she's left behind. And on any life's journey, you're going to leave things and people behind. Um, and the I, I think what you said is is so spot on about why people now 
love, uh, love to love Joni Mitchell, right? It's, it's very in, and it was not, uh, you know, when I was a kid, <laughs> it was, it was very not the cool thing to do, but now so many singers and songwriters have cited her as inspiration and her songs and her, um, arrangements of songs as inspiration, her lyrics as inspiration for things that they further created that have had an impact on our day-to-day -day lives. And I think that you're right. I mean, the reason why this album has so much uh, to unpack is because of these pockets of genius inside each one of these songs. And then the, the vulnerability that not only are you uh, writing it for millions to hear, but it, it's also so personal to whoever's listening to it. Um, and so if you're not in that position, right? Like you, you, you're, you're a man, so you didn't have to give up, you didn't give birth to a baby and have to give them up or anything like that. Right. But you probably, I don't want to speak for you, but I think like my own father, he loves, uh, this song because he, has uh, his, his, he's got an own his own little green that he has left right somewhere mm -hmm. or a, and whether it was a, a kid probably not but like a like a relationship or um, a best friend or something that you you know you had to give up in order to go be who you ultimately became and that just really resonated um, uh, more now as we become more emotional human beings uh, and more evolved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I think that it is really kind of telling and where she put this in the album um, here, track three, Little Green, uh, which leads into Carrie, which is track four is the first single um, off of the album. Um, it's a song that's basically, you know, telling the tale of her, um, you know, basically, uh, quote unquote, kind of running away right from her own stardom um, and going to Europe and going to Greece and uh, kind of settling, settling down into, you um, you kind of, uh, you know, this group of people to, to live life and, and relax and get away from, you know, what, what it meant to kind of then at that point, you know, be Joni Mitchell. She just has, you know, her third album, those two big, huge hits came out. And I think that it's probably very introspective. You know, I don't really want to, want to speak for Joni Mitchell, but I would, I would have to think, you know, under the circumstances of, um, you know, giving a child up for adoption because you're a poor starving artist. And then all of a sudden you've, you've hit it. And how are you, are you thinking about that? And I think that it's really interesting that it leads into the song Carrie, which is, um, you know, definitely the most fun. It's the most upbeat of the songs on this album. Um, it's the only song on the album that has some uh, backing vocals to it, uh, which I think is uh, kind of interesting. And uh, really it's kind of serving as this narration piece of, you know, Joni Mitchell's life at the time that blue is being written and uh going to be recorded and it's part of kind of this like travel log uh section that you have with Joni Mitchell of her leaving uh you know Canada America mm -hmm. going to Europe and then uh California with her uh kind of returning so I think they're kind of neat bookends then on that sense yeah for sure I mean the idea of escaping and getting away and then realizing that you know it's it's time to go home um, I think that there's a lot of sense of, there's two main things I think in this song, there's the sense of homecoming where it's at the end of the day, she's used 
you know, she she's used to that clean white living and her fancy French cologne. Like she's had a really good time kind of going off and in this cavern, like, and apparently uh, she went off and lived in a commune in a cave in Greece somewhere for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. And so maybe that, that, you know, she's like, my fingernails are filthy. I'm ready to go. Um, but I think that that um, idea of paired that with, um, Hey, I I've got, I've got more to do. I'm not done. Um, and I, I need to go. And, and, and also I love that Carrie himself, um, seems like this really curmudgeon old guy. Like he's, he's got a cane. Um, he's mean, she says, but he, he, she likes him. She likes him anyway. And how you could like somebody that is still, uh, maybe not, uh, maybe not the most lovable care bearer uh, on the planet. And I really, um, that really resonated with me hearing this as a kid because this was probably one of the most approachable songs that I grew up listening to on this album in like mm-hmm. my um, late, I guess, early teens um, because I hadn't experienced the depth of loss in love or, or family at that point, right? Um, so Carrie was, it was like this really good time where you're, you're, um, you're you, the imagery is really rich and you're able to kind of, uh, see this dichotomy of being at this in this mermaid cafe and we're going to have some wine and it's going to be fine but I, tomorrow i'm i'm going to go home because i i i need to 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 do that <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and it almost it has kind of the most um quote unquote like folk song feel of then all of the songs because it's telling you this story For which sure. is something you you sort of you know kind of identify with in in folk music where it's telling you an actual actual story as opposed to you know looking you know introspectively at yourself um which isn't necessarily something that you you know uh, associate with uh folk music um in that same way so uh that is carrie and then we go to the fifth track here of the title track blue um so this apparently uh, was written kind of right after uh her breakup with uh, james taylor um this is uh, probably my favorite piano piece of the album it's very uh beautiful and uh you kind of go in through these lyrics um and it's going into the section where it says, you know, we we did all of this stuff um, and, you know, we did lots of there was, you know, needles, guns and grass, acid booze and ass. And there were lots of laughs, lots of laughs. But um, during the laughs, like it slows down, like the song comes almost to a complete dead stop um, as she's going through uh, that line of music uh, before picking it back up. Um, and yeah, it's it's, you know, kind of very telling of, you know kind of the the emotions of the the love um and romance aspects of Jonah Mitchell it's kind of um you know kind of building on what we got in the first two songs with you know how she was processing uh you know uh men that she dated and uh the way that those relationships were working and uh now it's kind of kind of dawning on her that uh you know love isn't always the easy tale we hope that it's going to be yeah yeah, I mean, the word blue itself has uh, a bunch of different meanings, right? Like blue is sad. Uh, this is definitely a song about being sad, I think. But the color itself, I mean, as a, you know, again, as a kid, when I w- listened to this the first time, I really thought this was like a love song to the color blue and all the things that was in it. Um mm. Which, which do, I don't know how much that resonates with anybody other than me uh, listening to it. But I think that um, thinking about... Uh, the, all of these things uh, that were not great, right? The needles and, um, it, you know, guns, grass, like during this time, there was a lot of guns. We were in the middle of um, the Vietnam uh, War in America and and all over the world was kind of feeling that. Um, and, 
you know, also trying to figure out a way to laugh through that. Um, and then at the end, her very elongated, I love you, right. That she's singing. It's uh, whiny. <laughs> I don't know how, like, it, it's very, uh, like an opine that is, um, heartbreaking if it's, it's, you, it's very pained feeling pained that's the word um like it's it's just and it doesn't die it, it it just continues to go on her lungs must be the size of the titanic i mean it's insane um <laughs> for her to be able to hold it out but it's um it's just like this shell of how she's feeling and it it so many people have um said you know that that i've that i've talked to about Joni Mitchell in general, because she's one of my favorite artists to ever talk about. They love this song because it's different to everybody on what mm -hmm. it is. My my dad, who was the person who showed me Joni Mitchell, Daddy, I love you, thank you. Um, he always thought that this was really about God, um, which mm -hmm. was very strange to me hearing it. Uh, but then re-listening to it uh, with that in mind really adds just another layer. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why it's done so well. And it's smack dab in the middle of the album, which is, was, I don't know that if that was her choice or who made those decisions. I feel like it was a kind of a marketing ploy because she had to listen to the whole album instead of finding it somehow uh, without scratching your record. I don't know. That, that's right. Yeah, that's how albums work. And it is the uh, title track. So it's going to end up on side one of your uh, vinyl record for sure. But speaking of vinyl records, if that's how you're listening to it, uh, we're on a bit of a break because this is where uh, the record stops and you have to stop and flip it over. Uh, so go ahead and do that while we talk about uh, just this album from, you know, kind of a uh, commercial standpoint, I guess. So, uh, Michaela, Joni Mitchell's Blue, it won no awards, was nominated for no awards, um, which is often, if you look at, you know, kind of any top list of um, uh, music or, you know, albums, songs, uh, films, stuff like that, um, a lot of times things that are really, truly genius aren't appreciated in their own time because it's, it's very kind of different and people don't know how to uh, categorize it as such. And it really takes, you know, kind of the the vision of some time for it to come into clarity as being uh, this work of genius. So uh, this came out, like I said, it was right on the tail end of of her two biggest hits, uh, a Grammy Award for her second album, uh, the two big singles, uh, Big Yellow Taxi and um, uh, Woodstock. Uh, on a side note, uh, did not perform at Woodstock, um, but did write the song Woodstock. Um, this peaked at um, uh, number 15 on the Billboard 200, uh, which isn't too bad. And then the single, Carrie, the first single off the album, peaked at number 93 um, on the Hot 100 uh, chart. But the album has since gone on to be certified as platinum. Um, and if you look at top lists of, you know, top albums of all time, it's always going to be near the top. Uh, Rolling Stone's first uh, top 500 albums of all time list in 2012 had it rated as the 30th best album of all time. And then the revision to that in 2020 had it all the way up to third. Um, and there are two songs from the album that have made the Rolling Stone top 500 songs of all time. Uh, River, uh, that Christmas um, almost staple now is uh, 247th. And A Case of You is all the way up the 26th best song of all time. So uh, that's kind of some tidbits about the um the album specifically uh but Michaela I know this was this was the one you brought up um you know as we were kind of getting in here um you are uh 
a wee bit uh, taken aback, you know, nervous to talk about Joni Mitchell. How do you talk about someone as brilliant and genius as Joni Mitchell? Uh, all the interviews, Joni Mitchell seems like she's awesome. Like she seems like she'd be really fun to talk to on a side note. But uh, what is it about Joni Mitchell? When did you start listening to Joni? When did you listen to this album the first time? Uh, any other favorite songs from her? Or what, what can you tell me about Joni Mitchell and how it relates uh, to the life of Michaela? So in June of 1994, I went to a little town called Hoquiam, Washington. <laughs> it's right. It's about three, I don't know, three towns away from Forks. And if you, if you know Forks, it's because you watched um, the Twilight series. Um, mm. So it, it, Hoquiam is this little town. I went there for six weeks to visit my mom and uh, my dad uh, we, I didn't take any records with me cause we didn't have, uh, we didn't have a record player, I don't think, but, uh, at my mom's house, but he did bring me, like, give me like a suitcase, literally a suitcase full of tapes. Um, and he was like, look, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna have a lot of time on your hands, read some good books, listen to some good music. And he put Joni Mitchell, um, uh, he put ladies of the Canyon and blue in, in, and he had taped them for me on his tape deck, uh, which I think is illegal, but you know, it was years ago and that's, it's fine. Um, and so the first time I really got into her music, I was lonely by myself, uh, in, in a town that I knew no one. I had literally no friends. Um, I'd been bullied quite a bit, uh, the year before, um, uh, for being really chubby. So I had worked on losing a bunch of weight and I didn't know what to do with myself that summer at all. Um, my mom was working a lot. And so all I did was listen to Joni Mitchell and, and write poetry about a boy named Adrian, who I was totally in love with at the time. So, um, so this, this, this Joni Mitchell is just, it, she's very much my savior, uh, because I was, I really had no idea what to do with myself. And I, you know, my parents were separated. I was not, I had a really rough relationship with my mom. All of that is very personal, but that's what Joni would say. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the, this album uh, and this, especially the second side um, really helped me kind of uh, clarify some of my thinkings about what I should want in life. What, a, what love should be like, um, you know, and, and feeling, uh, what relationships should be like, how I should treat, uh, my, my mom, like she's mean, but we love her anyway, kind of carry ish. Um, and so, uh, it is, I find it really, I am very nervous to talk about Joni Mitchell because I want to do her justice. And I think so many people, uh, have this, have this feeling and she's so cool about it in all the interviews and, um, things that I've seen where she, she gives, uh, she's given concerts and stuff. She's, she's very, um, uh, just, uh, down to earth and like, she's very it, open and gracious yeah. about all this stuff. Right. Um, if you go, if you go to her website, which is, um, Joni Mitchell.com, like she has like, just like archives of all the stuff, like about her songs and all the interviews that she gave about them. She has like, um, if you go to like, any like in particular song, like you just, I don't know, you type in uh, blue and pull it up and it'll show all of the people that have ever done covers of it. Um, it's, it's amazing. Um, like I said, she seems like the most like gracious and kind of down to earth uh, person in dealing with your genius. You know, sometimes you think of, of geniuses and they're, and they're weird or uh, live in like their, you know, their, <laughs> their castle out in the middle of an Island on the ocean. But Joni Mitchell uh, seems, uh, I don't know, like a, like a practical genius, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think, um, 
I, she just she just had a huge impact on my life uh, in general, and not just Blue, but certainly Blue um, has. And so I have listened to her um, since I was 12. <laughs> Long story short, Brian, I've been listening to her since I was 12, um, pretty religiously, probably before that, but I didn't really have any idea what I was mm. listening to uh, before then. And so now, I mean, the, you know, some of my favorite singer-songwriters uh, in their liner notes and their acknowledgments, uh, people thank Joni Mitchell all the time. She's often revered as one of the best songwriters of all time. Um, mm. uh, everybody has heard a Joni Mitchell song, whether they've realized it or not not because somebody else has usually sung it. Um, and right. I think that that's really special because she, she t doesn't take herself so seriously. Like you said, if you go on her website or people are, uh, you know, remake a cover of her music and, um, she's very sweet and gracious about that. She's, I've never heard her talk down about anybody else's version of her stuff. Um, which is, which I think is really special because, it's a sign um, uh, of, uh, you know, copycatting or, or doing something is, is just another sign of adoration, adoration and admiration. And she sees it for what it is. And I think that's really special um, as an artist in general. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, all right, Michaela. Well, you said that you've been listening to Joni Mitchell since you were uh, 12 years old. Uh, when you were 12, you couldn't, but now you're older, so you can have another Santorini sunrise. I'm going to yeah. whip us up another one, and let's get into side two of Joni Mitchell's Blue, and we are starting off with California. Uh, this is a song about going home, um, but it's it's interesting, I think, because we have her song about her leaving home, and now we have the song about her going back home. Uh, but home has changed. Uh, there's, uh, you know, kind of this uh, section of the song where it talks about, you know, kind of, um, you know, home has changed now, you know, there's there's been bloody changes and talking about, um, you know, the way that um, the US had responded to, like, give peace a chance um, in the war. So it, it's kind of looking at, you know, going home, going back to California as a place that has changed. And then uh, you've also changed, right? She keeps repeating the lines, take me as I am, right? Because she's a different person now that she's, she's, you know, had her hits and left, um, and is coming back. Um, so this is this is a, a really, really great song. I think that this one's a little bit, it's a little bit more kind of upbeat and kind of um, in that same storytelling vein that um that Carrie was in. Um so I I I really like this as kind of the kind of the the counterpoint uh to that song. Uh you know, you have the song about leaving and now you have the song about coming back. Yep. Uh totally agree. I mean I think uh especially um when she's you know everybody wants to go home and the, there's that old adage you can't go home uh because you have changed not not necessarily the home has changed but um uh, again, this this one's very folky. I love the I love the guitar accompaniment to it. Um, I love the way uh, the lyrics kind of roll off. They're very um, they're kind of uh, non melodic. So there's it's kind of goes back and forth. She talks about uh, her time in France and um, yeah, I I really like this one. It's one of my it's one of my favorites, especially if I'm if I'm in a kind of a middle blue mood. <laughs> right because okay, okay. we have we have we have only one high song we have like some mid songs and the rest are kind of on the lower um mood elevator as it were and so um anytime i'm going to california i always play this on the plane on the way 
Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, that was track number uh, six on the album, uh, California, which was also the second uh, single. So you had the two kind of travelogue pieces were the uh, singles off of the album. Um, and this goes into song number uh, seven, This Flight Tonight. Uh, this song apparently was written uh, about uh, kind of her uh, going separate ways from James Taylor. Uh, uh, according to James Taylor, at least there was an article in the New York Times uh about this and kind of a retrospective of uh, the 50th anniversary of blue. And he's talking about how uh, they were spending some time together at a house that he had just bought. And uh, Joni decides to, to leave and uh, fly home as opposed to staying there uh, with him. Uh, this song is really good. It's, it might be my favorite song on the album. Uh, there's kind of this section where she's um, talking about being on the plane and uh, the radio comes in um, and like her voice kind of like drops out. It gets all muffled. Like it's playing over the radio and it gets, kind of like this little like uh very fast like little like rock and roll riff kind of to it um it's really neat to, it kind of comes like out of nowhere in this very uh folk centric you know uh beautiful pianos and and dulcimers and the rest of this album and then it just has like this little like slick guitar riff uh right in the middle of it, it is really cool yeah no totally um it, it's interesting to get hear the backstory behind that because i do think that this is like a happy ending song versus uh you know blue and if if you know the, the idea is that blue was also about her her love of james taylor and kind of that falling apart i don't know if that's actually true or not but um having the idea that you have these really de deep feelings of like sadness and um and feeling like you're you're completely lost and alone mixed with this you know hey it, it was it was fun while it lasts kind of thing and i hope the next time we see each other i hope everything's better i hope your you know your car is okay i hope all the things that have been bothering you are good um and just kind of wishing someone well on 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 your way on your way away on a plane <laughs> right <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so that is uh, this flight tonight. And it is followed up by track number eight, which is River. Um, as I mentioned, it's the uh, 247th best song, uh, according to Rolling Stone and their uh, most recent uh, publication of that. Um, and now it's a Christmas time staple. Um, growing up, I don't ever remember hearing this song that much it seems like it's been mostly like in the last um 10 years and apparently this is like one of the most covered uh christmas songs of at least of like the new christmas classic uh which is which is kind of weird um to think about uh that it kind of sprouted up out of nowhere and it's gotten so many covers um and again you can go to Joni mitchell's website and it'll tell you like all the different covers of it which is uh pretty great um it's got the uh the notes of like jingle bells kind of to start the song and to end the song and a few times it's sprinkled in uh kind of throughout um and i really like this is a sad christmas song because Christmas songs by and large are happy um, and Christmas is happy uh, but not all the time and not for everyone so I think it's uh, it's pretty neat to have uh, kind of a sad Christmas song um, and apparently she wrote this uh, while spending time with James Taylor um, when he was uh, doing his uh, Carolina recordings so they were in like Chapel Hill North Carolina so basically uh, this is like a song about our own Christmases uh, here on Drink the Music Michaela so uh, good job there um, it does say something um, that she could skate away on a river you can't do that here in North Carolina too warm too warm Joni maybe she's thinking about back home in canada uh i don't know but uh yeah it's it's a christmas song if you don't know any of these songs if you say i don't know any Joni mitchell songs that's not true you know this one you do you absolutely do um there it's, so there was a there was a there was a painting she saw uh she said that was the inspiration uh for skating away on a river and um and i can't remember what the painting was uh but it was this 
painting of a little girl who's literally skating down a river. <laughs> and she was like, "This that sounds amazing. <laughs> um, I think this is one of uh, my favorite, I mean, it's one of a lot of people's favorite Joni Mitchell songs um, because of its popularity. I think that she's so self-effacing in this um, and that that leaves a real endearing quality to uh to it as well where she says that she's she's done this she's lost somebody um and and this you know because she's selfish and she's sad and she's really hard to be with and she's hard to love um and i definitely have felt that uh within my soul um and feeling like you know you've you this other person has been really amazing and um and and there's a little bit of adultness in it where it's not it's not um her lyrics aren't explicit but there's definitely some adultness to this one about him you know being weak in the knees because someone's loved you a lot and you know as a teenager that was really awesome <laughs> because it was not um overtly explicit and gross or anything it was just but there was definitely this illusion or this uh, alluding to being an adult and having a really amazing relationship emotionally as well as physically and then screwing that up and how you screw it up and then at, you, at christmas time when everybody else is seems to be happy you're feeling awful and alone and you just want to you just want to get away um and I think I think even people who are in relationships sometimes feel this way, which might speak to the popularity of it, um, of mm -hmm. this song and how it is like the number one covered song of all Joni Mitchell songs. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that is track number eight, River. Um, and we go into uh, track number nine, A Case of You. Um, I, I really like the song, um, A Case of You, uh, here, um, I believe. Yeah, it's the number 26 song all time, according to uh, Rolling Stone. So uh, good job, A Case of You. Uh, I really like this. This A Case of You seems to me like um, it's the song that you write after you write uh, My Old Man and you live through that relationship. Uh, you basically get to uh, the point in your own uh kind of life where you get to uh, the song of A Case of You, uh, where she says... Um, you know, if you want me, I'll be at the bar, right? Uh, she's done waiting around. She's taking some agency uh, over over her love life, and it's kind of the uh, like the like the fifth piece on this kind of love uh, arc, I guess, that she's written for herself um, in blue. And and I I like it. I like it a lot. Like I said, it's kind of a counterpoint to uh, my old man, right? You know, in that song, she's talking about all the all the the reasons that she loves this guy and will put up with him because you know it's you're you're someone that I love, and uh, then you get to this point and it's like um, I I do love with you, but I'm done putting up with you. Um, and yeah, it's it's a gorgeous gorgeous song for sure. Yeah, I mean, oh, this this is probably my oh, I don't want to say my favorite because they're all my favorite. Um. Man, there's so much to, we, we could talk about this song for 30 minutes. And I know we promised, uh, I promised I would try to be brief. I, I think some of these are the most beautiful lyrics that I've ever seen um, or heard. When, uh, you know, talking about our love getting lost and being as constant as a Northern star. And then she's like, well, where's that at? I mean, I'm, I'll be at the bar. And she, 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 I, this idea of love and what is love actually actually and love is touching souls i love that line um and uh i get made fun a lot of a lot because i tell people i love them all the time and it makes uh, some people uncomfortable and i'm sorry for that but i really do love you because you, if 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 that is if love truly is touching souls then surely you've touched mine right and it's just 
amazing when you when you love somebody um even if you're not in a romantic relationship if you're if it's just friendship or families but part of them becomes part of you and sometimes it they pour out of you uh just like in these lyrics and it's so amazing um and likening it to the religious aspect right of being like you're in my blood like this holy wine um if you're taking you know uh uh, in like the body or blood of Jesus. I mean, there's this, all this, um, it's very heavy, this, this song. And it's so beautifully intertwined with the way that the piano is played. And um, it, it it's, it's so perfect. I mean, it's a perfectly done song. I, I can't, I don't know if I could critique it at all, other than the fact <laughs> that I, I, I haven't actually seen it live. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. There's there's the critique on it for sure. Uh, so that was uh, track nine, A Case of You. And then uh, finishing out Joni Mitchell's Blue is the final track, track 10, The Last Time I Saw Richard, uh, which is apparently um, about uh, a conversation that she had with a friend of hers named uh, Patrick Skye. A lot of uh, people speculate that it's about her first husband, uh, Chuck Mitchell, but uh, it's not uh, according to uh, Joni Mitchell here and various interviews and on her own uh, website. It's it's about uh, Patrick Skye talking to Joni, basically um, kind of telling her a story and talking about how she's a hopeless romantic. And um, that's kind of what this the song is about to me. It's kind of about um, kind of the the reality of, um, you know, kind of these these passionate love affairs, right? Eventually, you know, the passion wanes off and then it becomes, you know, just, just a case of two people loving each other. And I think that that is really great. And there's a really uh, beautiful line um, in here that I think that Joni's kind of applying to um, herself in writing this song and writing these songs and in this album. Um, it says, it's just now you're romanticizing some pain that's in your head. Um, and it's almost like you're you're in love with, you know, uh, burning, burning with the, uh, the passion and heat from like a thousand suns, right? You're, you're as in love with, you know, the, the love and the, the beauty and, uh, the romance of that as you are in love with, you know, when that flame goes out and, you know, dealing with kind of the aftermath and, and the way that that, that pay makes you feel right. It's like these two sides of a coin. And, um, I think that, uh, kind of in this song, Joni is expressing to herself how she, you know, is kind of embracing that and how, you know, she's finding that more exciting than, than sitting at home and, uh, you know, drinking and watching, uh, TV, you know, she'd, she'd rather be out, you know, uh, living her life to the fullest passions and flying cl too close to the sun and, uh, getting burned. And I really like, uh, kind of the way that that is, is kind of this final piece to, uh, the love story of blue, I think. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, I imagine her uh, writing this song uh, and wanting to be in a dark cafe and she's, you know, the line, I'm going to blow this damn candle out. I don't want nobody coming over to my table. I've got nothing to talk to anybody about. All good dreamers pass this way someday. Hiding behind bottles in dark cafes. And um, it's such a, it's such a sad end cap to this to this story, right. Of this, the, the, this journey that we've gone on, uh, through 10 tracks of songs about love and loss and journeys and romance and dreaming and, and realizing that, you know, the things, the things that happen to Richard, you know, Richard gets married to a figure skater and he ends up living this life. And, and that's, that's fine for him. She, she doesn't do that. Um, and she's had some very famous relationships. She's been married a few times, Joni, but, um, uh, I, I, I hope 
that she's not feeling like she's in a dark cafe by herself because it, it as as resigned as this journey seems to be for her in this album um it does seem very lonely and i wouldn't want her to be lonely because she's awesome <laughs> <laughs> that's right she is awesome um and blue uh by Joni mitchell is awesome so uh that is it that is the 10 tracks of Joni mitchell's blue so uh before we wrap up here i thought we'd just talk about just kind of the the album as a whole uh michaela now we've kind of gone through each of the songs um what kind of kind of takeaways do you have from the album or why do you think the album is important uh either to you or to uh the world as a whole um you know i'd mentioned a little bit kind of about um you know, blue really kind of reaching uh, kind of the the pinnacle of its, you know, popularity and importance. So really here over the last, um, you know, 10 to 20 years, as I think people are kind of identifying that and, you know, can identify with that vulnerability and uh, people, you know, certainly people younger than us now are much better at kind of um, expressing uh, the way their emotions uh, work and feel and, and things and having those conversations more, more openly, uh, for sure. And I think that's, probably a big part of it um why it has been propped up i mean obviously you can look at the at the songwriting and uh the performances um on the album which are you know incredible and incredibly good and her voice is uh fantastic you have uh, james taylor uh playing the guitar through a lot of a lot of these songs um and you know kind of the way that that those two musical pieces play off of each other certainly are good but i think that it has more to do with kind of the message of blue um as opposed to necessarily the the you know the the composition of blue i think yeah yeah for sure i mean i feel like i've talked about all all a lot of my feelings about this but i'd love i'd love yours on what when did you first uh hear this album <laughs> please don't say last week <laughs> <laughs> I, I listened to it last week um no i've listened to this album a couple of times um and certainly it was not something that was on um my radar really in in kind of a sense um and i'm a big fan of uh folk music you know uh, james taylor's obviously had his name uh thrown around bob dylan stuff like that um you know kind of these singer songwriter types i've always been interested in that um type of music even carrying forward to like uh new music that i that i like and you know stuff like the the lumineers and uh camp and stuff like that that are more uh have like these more folk um roots but really Joni Mitchell wasn't something that I ever really got um, into. I mean, obviously you knew, uh, you know, the, you know, the hits, right. You know, uh, Begilla Taxi, um, you know, Woodstock, you know, uh, obviously, you know, River Now uh, from uh, your Christmas uh, song listenings to, um, like I said, I'd listened to this album a couple of times, but I hadn't really given it much like beyond thought other than, okay, this is Joni Mitchell's blue. Everyone says that it's, that it's real good. So I'm going to listen to it. Um, but now over kind of this last week and listening to it and uh, trying to analyze it, um, for the podcast here and uh going a little bit deeper with um you know kind of the lyrics and what the songs mean and stuff like that i i can see like the the magnetic appeal of it to people um because it comes from a lot of different angles and that's one of the neat things about folk music in general is um that it's kind of it's obviously it's it's being interpreted by by the person writing the songs by creating the music um by joni mitchell here in this case um but there's some part of blue, I think, that anyone can identify with, you know, whether it's, you know, having this, you know, tumultuous love affair or having that um, end poorly or being bitter and jaded or, um, you know, the way your family dynamics have worked or, you know, <laughs> wanting to get out of town or coming home and your home is not the same home that it was when you left or you're different uh, because you've went away. Um, you know, Michaela, you and I both live 
many miles away from where we grew up. And if we went home now, it would be very different. And we're very different people than we were when we lived there. So, I mean, there's a lot of things to identify with in Joni Mitchell's Blue, uh, which I think is one of the reasons why it's so spectacular. And then obviously um, her vocal stylings, um, her uh, writing, um, the the musical kind of kind of genius of it now is finally settling in on people as they can kind of get that message um, and have that relayed into their own life. So I think it's, uh, you know, definitely um, important now to me, um, having analyzed it a little bit and I definitely important to the world, you know, at, at large here for uh, what they can learn and take away from uh, Joni Mitchell's Blue. Well, I don't think I could say it any better uh, uh, other than the way that I've been uh, fangirling and gushing about her for the last hour. So um, so I'll I'll stop. But I will say um, Blue is by far it, it's it's certainly not her only album. She's got so many other songs and albums. If this is the first time that you've really dived into anything, Joni Mitchell, you're in for a treat. If you're like if you're if you're still here, um, you're in for a treat. Um, because there's so many other things, uh, other songs that she's done that's amazing and other albums. And, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I have if I have the heart to do it all again uh, for Joni Mitchell and record this again, because it takes a lot out of me to, to gush just enough. But um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the album Blue. And we hope uh, it's definitely worthwhile to listen to if you if you've not uh, done it by now, we've We've certainly uh, tried our best to explain our thoughts and our favorite pieces and our, le our unfavorite pieces. If you're gonna, uh, if you're gonna listen to it, I do think uh, having your having a Santorini sunrise is the way to do it um, yes. because it's delicious, uh, and that's coming from someone who hates licorice. So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I give that a try. The Sanserini Sunrise while you're listening to Joni Mitchell's Blue. Um, this was uh, this was really great. Um, like we mentioned kind of at the top, this was, uh, you know, Drink the Music was a series that was kind of a long time coming and our hand got forced um, into, you know, doing it a little bit. I don't want to say forced, you know, our hand got nudged um, into doing it, um, I guess. And it's been a very worthwhile experience. And hopefully everyone listening out there um, enjoys this um, and is looking forward to some more uh, Drink the Music content because we've got some more stuff coming. Uh, we have our poll is up on Patreon. I think it's probably already closed, but go over to Patreon. It's patreon.com slash drink the movies. If you want, uh, you know, extra episodes and bonus content in terms of the drink, the movies content. And uh, obviously now that we're doing drink the music, we're going to have polls up there about the music. If we have any kind of B sides from our recordings, all that stuff's going to go up on the Patreon. So you can definitely go uh, check that out. We appreciate everyone over there who is doing that. And uh, you have to stay tuned for next week. We'll see what we're uh, getting recorded uh, for next time. I have a couple of good options and we'll see what we're getting into, but that was, that was, it that was Joni Mitchell's Blue. It was is a really good time. Ten tracks. Give them a listen. Make yourself up a Santorini sunrise. And um, Michaela, um, you know, if people want to send us in pictures of their Santorini sunrise, if they want to send us in pictures of themselves listening to Blue by Joni Mitchell, or you know, singing their favorite Joni. If you're singing like karaoke of Joni Mitchell, send us a video of that we definitely want to see that. Um, I definitely not, do. Ma not Michaela. Don't send me yours, Michaela, because I know you probably uh, were doing it all weekend for sure. Um, but anyone out there listening, uh, if you do send that, that would be amazing um, for sure. So do that on our uh, social medias. It's uh, Instagram and. Uh, threads at drink the movies and on facebook.com slash drink the movies uh the website is www.drinkthemovies.com uh go there uh find all the stuff that you normally would find and uh you know get some more information about the cocktails and episodes stuff like that uh, michaela if they want to be making sure they're getting all of the uh the lobby bar the next drink the music 
episodes or subscribed when movies come back if they're like stick to movies uh you two <laughs> please i don't know i don't know for sure but uh where can they do that where can they get uh subscribed you you can find us on apple Podcasts, spotify Nearpods, uh stitcher uh anywhere where uh spotify podcasts are distributed uh we are still called drink the movies um so you can find us on drink the movies uh don't know how well this is going to take off maybe we'll do too i have no idea but for now uh that's where you're going to subscribe and listen uh we're still going to do two drops a week we're going to do our lobby bar uh and then we're going to do our deep dive for all of our album stuff um and a little you know some other fun stuff coming along the way so uh leave us a five-star review if you're liking what you're doing if this is better for you even even better and you like this more let us know because i don't know if we're uh if we ever need to stop doing this we just uh you know probably need to figure out how we're gonna how we're gonna package it all but um okay. yeah that's where you can find us absolutely so uh keep your keep your eyes uh on that uh we'll uh, be getting the next album out to you uh next week uh, we'll have to wait and see what that one's going to be but uh for now michaela let's go whip up another santorini sunrise uh you can probably go cry you've been holding in your tears for a long time talking about <laughs> blues so so let's go do that and we'll talk to everyone next time on drink, drink the, the music music nailed it yeah